0: Welcome to the Solutions for Customers podcast, where we will cover all things about sales
1: engineering, customer success, and best practices in the tech ecosystem. Recorded live outside of Boston, MA, here's your host, Gary Sloper.
0: That song is by the band Casino Sunday. Check them out on iTunes and Bandcamp. Uh, welcome to the Solutions for Customers podcast. I'm your host, Gary Sloper, where we talk about sales engineering or solution architecture or sales consultants, whatever they're called today in your world in pre-sales and the customer success lifecycle. Uh, today, we are actually out on location. I'm, I'm super excited to have uh, the guest on the show and really our first guest uh, for a couple reasons. One, this individual has been pushing me to, to kind of launch a podcast and I've, I've been honored to be on his podcast twice, and I'll let him talk a little bit about that. But he's also uh, what I would consider one of the benchmark um, type of individuals when you want to build and and launch uh, a sales engineering or solution architect organization. Uh, He is an individual that um, all SEs, I think, really look towards um, to understand the standards and, and really understand how to actually live in this world. So I am super honored to be here with Brad Loomis. Uh, of cloud technology partners, uh, also known as HP, or I should say probably the reverse, but I think you you know if you 're like me in the the worlds of acquisitions, you still try to hold out a little bit for that uh, for that name, but Brad is the uh, director of partner architecture, and brad i 'm humbled honored and i'm people can't see me but i'm kind of waving uh, dude, you know down uh, to you I, I bow to you so thank you for joining the podcast tonight. oh
1: anytime man and i'm uh, glad to have you here at the crow's nest in lovely uh, portsmouth new hampshire yeah man. yeah but we're having some fun and uh the respect and the admiration is mutual man uh, you and i have a long past together heck our parents even know each other <laughs> know. so um <laughs> it's good to continue the chat and look forward to uh Talking with you about anything and everything, solution, architecture, sales,
0: engineering related today. Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, so a little background for uh, yeah, probably the kids on the phone because it feels like we're now the old, old men <laughs> in the industry. The gray beards. Bro. Yeah, the gray beards and losing hair, uh, at least me anyway. Um, so we started back together in the days of Exodus, which a lot of people don't know was the first commercialized data center offering globally based out of Silicon Valley. Yep. Yeah. And uh, we met down in the Waltham data centers and didn't realize what our roots and heritage, like you said, our our parents knew each other. And I remember, so to kind of go back in time, you may not remember this. So I was probably really wet behind the ears. I came into the technical project management side and I remember everybody talked about this guy. His name was Cash Money and it was Brad (laughs) Loomis because he could just do wizardry on being a solution architect. And I looked at that 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 and I'm like, that is a really cool job. So I actually owe you personally oh, uh, one of the reasons why I got into this, and and that was a crazy time. I mean, you remember that? Oh,
1: it's uh, a lot of late nights, but it was we were smiling all the way, and in, no matter how long that day was, um, you had family around you, and that's what I've looked throughout throughout my career is, hey, how can I have some of these folks that I really like spending time with have a common mission? And then execute against that mission and do fun stuff for clients out there. And so that time was awesome. All the friends you and I made are awesome. And heck, that that runway has led us to meander back through each other's lives over the years. And that's and honestly, at the end of the day, cult, Sales Engineering Solution Architecture. It is a relationship game. And um this world
0: keeps getting smaller and smaller every single day. <laughs> it does, and and it's funny because I chat often, as you do as well, uh, with folks that run sales organizations, and and these types of roles, the, the roles that we live in, tend to roll into the CRO or the VP yeah. of Sales, and they do a great job of managing sales teams, but they sometimes don't understand the EQ of really how do you build and advocate and drive best practices within solution architecture. And I, I'm sure you've seen them all. Aye. You know, and I mean, what would you say is, you know, some of the challenges that sometimes those leaders have with, with trying to not just manage us, but really take us to that next level? Because sometimes I see, you know, the CRO will hire uh, the best architect to go lead the team, but that architect just likes... Building and fixing things and solving workload challenges, not Peter leading principal. people. That's yeah. the Peter Principle, right?
1: Uh, elevated to the highest form of success, but probably a step a bridge too far in their career. Right. I, so early on in the career, actually, when you and I were at Exodus, um, the great Joe Monzo. Um, Joe Monzo. I forgot about yeah. him. Joe, uh, Joe sat me down and said, listen, um, you're a sales engineer, and the way I run my organization... A, I have empathy for you, but two, this was back in the day of pagers. So I'm going to date myself <laughs> here. I want you to be able to carry a sales call forward if I get paged to have to go to another meeting on an emergency. And so that sort of core ethos stuck to me saying, listen, yes, I own a solution. Yes, I'm a technical guy. But at the end of the day, I need to march a sales cycle forward, but not do it for the sake of the number. But do it for the sake of the outcome to right the client, on. and that's that's the thing where I see folks or like executive types going looking at a solution architect, a technical consultant, as we have them on the pre-sales side, or a sales engineer as a minor sales rep, and I think that's the wrong optics. Yeah, I think you need to empower and more importantly, impassion those folks uh, to develop the right solution for the right client at the uh, right time and let them own the outcome um, let them be the ones that help assist in driving that solution home and also be the voice of reason a solution may not be what whatever the greatest widget you have in your bag or bag of tricks may not be the right thing at the right time for the client and it's that having that eq to use your saying so no when to
0: pull back and say listen let's wait for another sales cycle to roll through. Yeah. And and that can be hard. Oh, it's right. Man. Because if you're not the number one player, I mean, when we were at Exodus, I mean, it was a lot easier, right? We were, it was the dot com era and we had infrastructure and all these, you know, different entities needed a place to house their yep. equipment. And it was a great playground. Like we, we were able to play with a lot of different equipment and, and boxes and learn different things across all of that. But it was easier for us because it, I don't want to say it was order taking but there was a necessity for what we had but when you're in an environment or you work for an organization where maybe you're the number two or three player and it might be more commoditized or it could be a situation where you know you're an edgy early scrappy startup and you're trying to scale that organization and you have that understanding of hey we're not going to be able to to push or pull in this type of deal how do you how do you have that communication back with the sales director or even the sales manager to say time out, like this one this dog's not gonna hunt it's
1: you look for lighthouse opportunities where you can build trust with that sales leader right mm-hmm. um, do what you're gonna say you're gonna do uh, the the usual block and tackle of uh, commit uh, if you commit to do something you do it um, so build that trust early and often so when you raise your hand um, you know it's for reals. Uh, go back to uh, Jocko Willink's book, Extreme Ownership, right? Mm. Take full ownership of everything, right? Don't push it off to someone else. And by doing so, right, you can elevate your level of trust and visibility in the organization. So I've tried to take aspects of that over my career in those situations, A, where the solution set gets extremely commoditized. And that forces you now to go vertical with a solution versus horizontal or you are so, let's say, leading edge, not bleeding edge, where um, you need those lighthouse accounts to prove the business model, to prove so you can get the next round of funding, to prove, hey, the check's gonna clear this time. Sure. We've seen good and bad sides of that. But I think it comes back in regards to developing that level of trust with those frontline managers, saying you're acting in the best interest of the client, but also the best interest of the business in being able to say, hey, on that sort of moral compass back to a previous conversation to say, hey, this is what we can do. Now, some of it, I've had hard conversations with sale managers going, we shouldn't be in this deal. It's an RFP that came out on Friday, <laughs> and it's due on Wednesday, and we're one of 20. Yeah, you're a column filler at yeah, that yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, not something I want to play in. Um, you're more than welcome to fill it out with a boilerplate,
0: but mm-hmm. I'm not going to spend any engineering cycles on it. Yeah, and that, and that can be... You know, and, and I recognize it, you know, the, the sales team is trying to fulfill a quota because they have pressure. And if it's a smaller organization, you have pressure from the board or, and investors uh, and even the product team, to your point, to see if this vets out. So you, you, you kind of get quota breath, right? You yeah. want to go after that. But I think, to your point, you know, getting some of those lighthouse deals, and, and especially for anybody that's ever looking to get into pre sales. Understand that sometimes, you know, it's nice to win the really big deals, right? But we know that sometimes a customer is going to say, well, I'm just going to try you out. I'm going to give you, you know, now I'll I'll give you a little bit of utilization. I'll give you, I'll give you a little bit of my resources. I'll design you somewhat in my hybrid infrastructure, but I don't know you enough. You seem small and like the the, the folks that are really astute on that. And I think what's interesting to your point is if you gain some of those lighthouse accounts as a pre-sales individual, then when the hard conversation comes, you're like, "Listen, I'm Brad. You know, I've I've worked on these accounts. If I'm telling you that I don't think we can do this, we've closed 20 other deals. They don't look like this one." Um, and and if, that's tough because what I found is they say, "Well, we're still going to do it." And You get overruled. What I like to do, and I think this is great for any any uh, sales engineer or solution architect, is sometimes you have to bite the bullet and go off of what management says, but keep keep a scorecard, not to come back and say, "I told you so." But when that same deal will come up again within another account, another oh, vertical, yeah. another territory, you say, look, we've already tried this three times. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over Learn and over favorite. and expecting a different result. Yeah. So that's where I think analytics can kind of play a role into. So, you know, I, it, it's, it's, it's always comforting to hear that you go, have gone through that same process, even so advanced in your career all these years later. That you still kind of run into those same kind of pitfalls it's so in my role now i'm I'm fortunate a work with a lot
1: of friends of ours as we've grown along yeah you've got a great team yeah um and just um, i don't call it a safe space because we all push each other Mm. um but i'm giving latitude to develop solutions so in my role now on the tip of the tip of the spear so i'll take a look at a problem set tie together a hyperscale provider, tie together, let's say, some software solutions, and then wrap a service set around that. So advisory, professional services, then extending to managed services. So understanding how that glues together and how to develop that solution uh, becomes very important, but it also allows me uh, to simplify. Um, And that's probably one of the other points I'd make to folks. Try to go with the simplest solution that you can at the given time, right? The more complexity you add, um, the longer the sales cycle is going to be. The more complexity you you add at the end of the day, you want to have your customer or prospect be able to parrot that solution back up the chain. And if they can't articulate it, you're dead at that point. Yeah.
0: it's so funny you said that because as, as engineers, we want to really just Put our mark to show the customer, yeah. hey, we can we can make this really cool thing happen. It's going to take a lot of work, but watch me walk, do my engineering wonders, yeah. and it's great. But to your point, if it's not simple enough to install and and utilize, you you've just torpedoed the deal. Oh yeah, and and we've all done it at some point probably where we've over engineered or over complicated something, and the sales team looks at it and goes, well, I'm just listening to Brad because he's the expert. And what we definitely need to be mindful of is, is, is that we can also torpedo a deal. Yeah. And what, what I always, I always find interesting is when, when we lose an opportunity, it's always the product doesn't work or we're missing a feature pricing. We were outpriced, you know, they went to a competitor, but we never, ever say we lost a deal because we didn't come with our A game, yeah. right? Whether it's we over-engineered something or we weren't as sharp on the, on the technical features uh, or the sales team just wasn't prepared. Didn't lead a call c- correctly. You know, the agenda was was non-existent, and the customer just saw through that and said, "Guys, gals, we're we're out." Yeah. Um, you know, so how how do you at times? You know, as I'm you know kind of walking through this, like how do you prepare? You know, because you've got a lot of experience. You've been on probably, you know, thousands of sales yeah. appointments, right? How do you work with, you know, whether it's a, a new person or somebody else on the sales professional level? Like, how do you get into that groove of what's the, the proper cadence? So as the saying goes,
1: the best do the basics better. So I always basic block and tackle stuff, um, research the client understand their business understand the business problem they're starting to solve or need to solve right or that you need to educate them that they might never have thought they had to solve right so those there's some nuance in doing each one of those um the usual things man um my mom always said if you should on time you're late so I'm an early guy I'll get to any appointment a half an hour early because I'm just that guy um always come prepared Uh, Two is one and one is none, right? If I'm doing a presentation, I'll have it on my laptop and I'll have it on an iPad. And I'll have it on a USB stick. Um, I run without internet. So a lot of that, the hygiene stuff comes into play um, in understanding how to set yourself up for success. So you take at least those aspects out of your mental game, man. Because if you're worried about, oh man, is the presentation going to go right Um, Can I present to the projector? Or, um, oh man, I'm going to be five minutes later. I think I'd be waiting in the lobby. Yeah, That takes up so much mental headspace, man. It, It would drive me berserk. So I made a conscious effort early on to say, listen, I know what the good habits are. They're basic. If I can do those good, I can... Allow the rest of the mental headspace be around the solution development, be around understanding the customer's need, be around, okay, how can I fulfill this in the sales journey that they're on? Start there, um, and then over time, you have to look at this as an evolving uh, set of scenarios. And folks that I've met, folks from different walks of life, one common thing I've always seen is an adaptive mindset. Being able to learn a new technology, a new approach, be opening to learning. And again, it does just not in high tech. A friend of mine's in the solar panel industry didn't know anything about it, spent weeks on YouTube learning everything she could about solar panels mm-hmm. just to educate and just to understand the lexicon. So what you can do in your private time to understand on how to digest a new technology, understand the words that they use, simple stuff. Uh, understand what are some of the core metrics on how they measure success or what what at peak or at scale this thing should look like. That stuff uh, that can help break down those walls so when you're in front of a client, you can be more focused on them versus all the minutia and then all the trappings of, oh man, there's my shirt button fly it They <laughs> spill something on me at lunch. I've done it. Right. <laughs> it's almost it's the pregame's probably more important than, than the game itself.
0: It, it's it, you're a thousand percent correct. And, yeah. and we had an episode uh, a few back where I just I just went out there and, and just talked about three simple things you can bring to every meeting, and it's the little things that I. So I loved what you just said mm-hmm. about getting there early, and making sure that the presentation can work in all different facets. I've even learned to to bring whiteboard markers yeah. with me. How many times have you walked in and it's like, oh yeah, this is the only room that's available, you know, because you're at the customer site uh, and there's a whiteboard and the markers are all dried up or there's non existent Or to your point, you know, do you have the right dongle to actually connect into yeah. whatever they have? Yeah. Uh, or they may not want you from a security standpoint to plug in anything. Yeah. And so how do you adapt and take that stuff? Because you're right, you have to control your learning curve, sales team. Or product or whomever might be part of the account uh, team here overall they're on they're doing their own um responsibilities and they're on they're on the fray your job you are the single expert that has to know everything and be johnny on the spot and if you don't know you know how to get back to them and, and figure out what the answer is but you're right you have to control your learning curve and it and it's moving faster. When, you know, when we were at Exodus, I mean, it, you know, it took us 18 months to launch a, an application. Now it's you know hours, minutes, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, so how, how do you try to like control your learning curve, like, and without like saying, "Hey, I, I read all this stuff." Like, what no, are like no, no, the no, methods no. that you you
1: kind of implore? So, and again, part of my role too, and having you on a couple times, um, I do uh, the Doppler podcast for cloud technology partners. So, without doing the commercial for that. One aspect of it that I like is I try to help unpack how people learn, um, how you learn, how some of our consultants learn, yeah. how like CTOs of companies learn. So one thing, and after doing this enough, you start to see patterns in the data, right? One pattern, and I've taken it to heart, learn the art of the skim. So get to where you can, and as my buddy Rich uh, Castleberry says, Get a hello world with a specific technology, right? Mm-hmm. You don't need to be the expert in the room unless the solution's around that, right? But be wide enough and go a little deep to say, hey I know at a system level how all these things fit together. Backing that forward is there's tons of information out there. We're, we're being diluged with it. So the approach now of curation mm-hmm. on a specific interest topic to you in your private time, that's gold. So subscribe to X number of YouTube channels and put them on a 1.5 speed. So, hey, you can learn a little bit faster. But don't think you're gonna go out there and learn uh, your favorite cloud provider solution set end to end at any given time. Pick a very discrete portion. Maybe it's serverless, maybe it's containerization, maybe it's security and make that a focus for you. Sure. Because if you get... It's the shiny squirrel thing, right? Right. I can be looking left and right as the next new feature comes out, and I'm trying to build muscle memory in something very very niche. And as they say, get rich in your niche out there, right? So the goal, what I've been able to do, and it's taken a lot, right, um, is focus on some key technologies, focus on some key patterns, and really get some muscle memory around that. So what am I doing right now? Um, SAP to some degree, serverless containers, that's been a focus for the last six months-ish or so. Um, There'll be other stuff on the horizon as I develop solutions as they come out from incubation to full-time sales. But I I know I'll have to build, understand the lexicon, understand the players, understand the landscape that those technologies operate in out
0: there. Yeah, and it's funny you mention that because where I've recently seen various uh, founders you know they've, they've they know the technology they've built it from the yep. ground up and they want to serve or they have to serve as that architect with a potential customer because they know it inside and out they don't have that team and to your point they they don't have some of the kind of the high level skim of everything out there yeah. from layer maybe even just layer one through three right yeah. so they're building something and they don't have the core understanding of how the global internet works which for a lot of people that's not interesting but it's actually come full circle because you need to understand oh, that yeah. today, right and Correct. and and so not having even like a cursory foundation of how you know just the 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 internet working works with maybe service providers and yourself and and hearing how go transit, to, yeah. the 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 whole basis of
1: how do I move bits and bytes from one endpoint to the other, man. Right. You got to have at least a cursory knowledge because, again, at the end of the day, your your uh, your background, my background, if I can't understand the network that supports it,
0: it's going to be in a black box and it's a dead solution to me at that point. Right. And to your point on on kind of figuring out, you know, what is interesting on the hobby side, I, I think back to. Again, when I was, you know, cutting my teeth at Exodus, um, and I wasn't at that architect level, I, I mean I, I looked at okay, what was interesting. I remember figuring out how to start uh, playing with IDS boxes as yeah. we were doing installs and I'd sit in the cage and you know, I'm, I'm learning on there, I'm going into Pix Firewalls, doing conduit statements and you know, looking back, that's probably not the best security posture, right? But, you know, th- th- we weren't passing live traffic, yeah. so in full disclosure, even though the statute of limitations is probably way past, but, it, you so know, yeah, <laughs> but, but sitting in the cage and just, you know, staying away from everything and just taking my time to understand that, yeah. you know, conduit statements don't really exist the way they look today in, a, in firewalls, but the premise of what you're trying to fix, accomplish, or avoid and, and threats and, and other things still applies. So that way you've, you've built that foundation so you can take that quick skim to understand, okay, I understand the high level of this WAF solution and bot mitigation because of everything I've done in my background. Yeah, I mean, do you think, you know, and, and this is the, the, the scary thing that I feel at times and, and kind of why we've kicked off this, you know, learning podcast, et cetera, is, The next generation, because there's so much out there, there's so many more companies providing services to the same amount of customers, and there's that product fatigue, it's really kind of building the next generation, kind of building that minor league team to go in. And I mean, what are your thoughts on, you know, if I was coming out of college today, there's not that exodus. It's like I get dropped into a SaaS provider, and it's like, go, figure it out, like, What are you you seeing, you know, in terms of the the young kids coming out today that they should be taking on? Because it may not even be, hey, you don't necessarily need a four-year degree. No, no, no. Go run some boot camps. If you've got the aptitude and the chops coming out of high school, go do a community college and maybe, you know, do something different. So I'd say at this point, um, and I've
1: seen this with uh, friends' kids as well, uh, learn how to program, learn how to deploy an application, learn how to uh, understand devops CICD all that good sort of stuff, those buzzwords right now, uh, because that's the new factory, yeah, and if you understand how the new factory works at a very minute level, regardless of your occupation, um, you'll understand the business a lot better so i so for folks coming up and out, um, you may have an interest in mechanical or you may have an interest in security or you may have an interest in uh, whatever uh, but understand the art of the coding behind it because that can only enhance you um, heck even uh, i dabble in some of the big data side as well uh, everything's data driven this way so understand how to s- extract data sets find trends a statistics course is not a bad thing mm-hmm. um, i wish i took more of it when i was in an engineering class but i didn't um but having those skill sets, being able to wrangle an Excel or Google Sheets and make that data speak to you, regardless of what you do, that's some handy. And then being able to wrap a application thought around that on how to basically either operate in the SaaS world, on-premise, et cetera, those are lessons learned that you'll carry for the rest of your life
0: now. Yeah. I mean, that's a, I, I never even really thought of it that way, even just on the Excel side. I mean... It, Think about some of the log data that you just want to parse out and oh, do yeah. some different things with, and, and j- even just in a smaller format. I mean, there's there's a lot of things that you can just play around with. And even if you just get your own little sandbox to, to yeah. test things, you know, I, I've always found that that is powerful. That if you haven't actually played with your technology that you're trying to, um, look, for lack of a better word, sell to a potential customer you may not know all the pitfalls. Like sometimes, uh, you know, I've hired uh, some some more junior SEs that came out of the support group, right? Yeah. So they were triaging and they were kind of tr- trained on the product. They don't have the complete, you know, s- sales skills yet, but they understand the building blocks. And some of those people were really, you know, have kind of moved into some great careers. And conversely, some people that started out in sales and said, you know, I don't want to carry a quota, but I like talking to customers and yeah. solving problems and figuring that out. And it's almost like, you know, there's different ways to build these teams, but to your point, I think we all agree, you kind of have to have some level of foundation to I think the foundation is
1: important, and then I see these teams evolving over time. Um, from a point of view, I see the need for the sales engineer, solution architect to become more business savvy and mm-hmm. aligned to a line of business or a business problem and outcome. And then I see the traditional sales rep or BD rep being more elevated as almost a territory manager so what we used to have for ratios of two to one sure three to one i could see probably one territory manager to maybe seven se's SAs, mm. and there with enough business acumen they can handle the sales uh the sales campaigns with oversight from coming over so i'm almost seeing it at least in my world things are not getting any less technical. Right. Um, Even the best sales reps are picking up some technical chops. Mm -hmm. Uh, Most of the sales reps that I know can do their own demos, um, can pretty go pretty deep. Um, It's the question of now, how do you uh, unpack that? And where does the value of a sales engineer, solution architect come in? Is it the proof of concept stage? Is it uh, doing the gap engineering to say here, product does this? customer requirement does that what's the glue
0: that i need to put in the middle to tie it so everybody's happy on either side yeah it's funny because i think we because we have so many different companies going after the same customers there's a lot of product fatigue on the buy side yeah i agree and you may not have the traditional window of cold call um you know the 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 LinkedIn scheduling of a demo what I'm seeing is a lot of customers saying I'm going to stop all this noise I'm going to do the research myself and I'm going to contact you and you and that's where you really have maybe that one opportunity to wow them or to uncover the pain uh, that they're experiencing to expose what a solution could be and I and I think you're right I think that you know the the DNA of a sales professional has to change it's not about going on the golf course anymore and you know playing 18 and and having some beers afterwards it's yeah i can run that demo and let me ask you some qualifying questions that traditionally years ago uh it's solution architect would do it and and now what's fallen onto us is that we have to go even deeper yeah um into some of those solutions so it's it's interesting that you're seeing that because i'm definitely seeing that as well and um I think some of the sales leaders that have been doing this for a long time also need to adapt and change. You know, I've seen folks that have been in sales for 25 years or so. And while this is the way I've always run my business, don't disagree. It's not saying it's a bad model, but your customers are are allowing your team to have one conversation with them. And if you don't have a solution architect at your bedside to make that call, you know, Jane or John have to be the, the individual to run with that to to keep them interested to then bring in cash money, Brad Loomis. Right. <laughs> and the reason why we call him cash money is because he's very good at solving customer problems and closing a deal as part of that. So that was, I probably forgot to mention that earlier on. Oh no, it's good. Well, <laughs>
1: but I go to it to, too. it tongue in cheek, um, CTO, Andrew over at, uh, densify phenomenal person. In- interesting introspection. Uh, He would roll into a room. He goes, just by the nature of the jeans that I see being worn, I can distill deposition. So let me unpack that for you now. Yeah. I roll in, and if I see mom or dad jeans, that person's probably five years out of retiring. (laughs) They're not going to rock the boat. Yeah. They're going to be stuck in their ways, and they probably won't listen to you. Sure. Slim fit jeans, like what I'm wearing here, I'm trying to stay current. Yeah. I'm trying to... I'm leaning in. I'm going to make... I may not jump in initially but I, because I get a little bit of gray hair, but I'm going to listen to you and, and make those choices as well. And then skinny jeans, well, I don't have enough operational knowledge yet, but I'm all in. Yeah. And I'll try it. I'll, I, I may risk more than i not. But the thing is, you need those three types of people in an organization yeah you need that diversity in the organization and then then as a sales team seller you need to understand the goals out of each one of them to make them successful but more importantly just to build a relationship man
0: yeah i agree i mean i i think you know there's you know when we first started out it was that traditional enterprise sale and you know being able to put a suit on walk down fifth avenue new york and go into you know a capital markets account and you know, it is literally a New York minute. They set the watch down. All right, you got 58 minutes left, and you're like, "Holy cow!" And you yeah. got to go. And I think, you know, as things have changed, thank God we don't have to wear suits anymore. Uh, <laughs> it did make things a lot easier. It's just, you know, <laughs> I didn't look good in the suit. Um, Neither did I, my man. <laughs> yeah, and 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 to your to your point, I think even culturally, like, you you are sometimes biased if you show up and it's like, okay. It's not 1992 93 anymore you lose the suit lose the jacket or if if they are trying to put the mom jeans on and they can see through it they're like okay but do, do they really understand my business and and so it's part of the, the optics that that does happen and whether you want to admit it or not you know if you kind of have to adjust to where the customer is but also just your whole culture right because I'll give you an example, a live example, last week, week before. Um, part of
1: my role is I manage a portion of the Google relationship. Um, and Anthos is public knowledge, so I went out there for training. I roll into this training event as an auditor. I'm just going to audit it because, back to your point, right, how can you develop a solution without understanding at the innate level of how it comes together, right? Slides are one thing, sure, but let's have the hard discussion of, okay, what does this do under the covers, what's needed, et cetera. Brad, first day in, okay, I'm going to go what I call, again, I'll go back to Andrew, the business mullet. Dark jeans, dress shirt, suit jacket. Business on top, party down below. (laughs) At Google, it looked like I wore a tuxedo. Sure. That night, I went to a mall and bought golf shirts. (laughs) Did you rather... Because again it goes back to understanding the culture that you're gonna be in yeah and the presence, right right so
0: well and it was the same way I mean uh, gosh when I was ending at CenturyLink um, you know I was I, I was probably one of the younger people there and I was pushing the envelope to change a lot of things culturally for the for the better um, and and part of it was you know, just how we went out to customer meetings and, and our appearance and everything. And it was, you could tell by, by some of the veterans that had been there that it was it, it was like going against everything in their their grain to even like think about not wearing a full suit. And I remember because, you know, I was an AVP there. So, I, you know, I was you know, pretty high up and, you know, I kind of led the charge. And I remember we had a had a had a sales rep that came out with us. I think I was doing um he was down in uh, Nashville doing a, uh, a big um, executive briefing down there, and so we kind of dressed like kind of how we are today, right? And 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 he almost had a coronary because you know he's trying to pull in all the right you know heavy hitters you know in this opportunity. I said it'll be fine. Well, we walk in, the customer literally spent the first five minutes ripping on him, and I felt bad. I had to like jump in and be like, yeah, it's okay. He's, he, you know, he dresses for success. You know, he takes this very seriously. And they're like, no, no, really. Where is the funeral? You know, and they're, <laughs> and they're having fun with it. But it's it's almost like there wasn't ever, like, this slow transition. It just happened. Oh, like, yeah. I boom. Agree. It went quickly. Because I can remember, you know, being on those meetings, you know, you were, like, more yeah. like a Cisco or a Juniper. And it was, like, part of their DNA yeah. as well. And now, like, if you even show up even with a jacket in some of these meetings, it's, like, completely foreign. We were, at Dine, like, we had... You know, we had folks that were wearing shorts and and baseball hats, and you know, and that was also part of the engineering culture, right? Like the the core, you know, development engineering team that worn out out with customers. They they want to be comfortable. This is what how they lived, and this is how they focused on. And I think even that um, in our ecosystem, there's still a lot of people that have been doing this for a while that still can't get over that. They're like, nice. you know, I grew up at Wang. I grew up at. and you know we would never ever look like that and it's like I understand that but times have changed it's funny I did a uh, event uh,
1: down in New York I ran a panel uh, with Google with some great folks from HashiCorp and a great gentleman from um, New York Times Sean Bauer I'll give him a shout out just a classy guy just good people and I said hey dress comfortable dress how you would tremendous sense of humor he he had he comes rolling in and he wears a shirt and says i'm into fitness Fitness this pizza in my mouth and i tell you <laughs> that immediately set the tone we were all brothers yeah talking about business and then to this day i i think of that him rolling in there he could have dressed full suit full monty but he comes in and just sets the tone and I've been fortunate enough to have have him on my podcast but continue conversations
0: with him as well that's awesome yeah it's good to have folks like that man yeah absolutely yeah so I you know I I think about you know sometimes people ask me hey I'm, I'm going on this interview or I'm going to go look at this company you know how should I dress and I always tell them like Go on Glassdoor or go on you know YouTube videos, see how they are, and maybe just you could always go slightly one up. So if they're yeah. you know in jeans and T-shirt, you could always go in there with a jacket with over a T-shirt and jeans, so that way you can take it off. Uh, and it, and it's amazing how some people they completely miss it because I've also seen you know some of our friends that you know are still in you know more of a traditional enterprise environment, and the person shows up and completely. Like it, it is still a business casual environment, and they show up completely non-business casual. Like, yeah, I screwed that one up, and I'm like, well, you know, at the end of the day, I think they, you can always ask ahead of time. But if they didn't give you the heads up, or if they exclude you just for how you dressed, I mean, that's pretty easy to fix. So yeah. think about that as a long run too. Yeah, no, I agree, man. It's uh,
1: it's finding the tribe of folks uh, that you want to be around. Yeah, and I've been uh, fortunate enough, uh, like with you, like with all of our friends, uh, to be able to dot lines between all those tribes together yeah and at the end of the day does it make a difference what you wear nah um, it's more about what you do what you say you're going to do and more importantly how you support each other on that mission it really
0: does because you know just almost 20 years later right we're we're still hanging and you and kind we'll of be do those, it for another 20 years yeah right? i hope so yeah. please and and I think though, you know, as much as we live in this self-service cloud world, I still believe that people buy from people. Yeah, you know, granted, you know, especially when you're DevOps. I'm not here to, 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 uh, not put wind in your sail. I get it. You, you just don't want to deal with people at times, and that's okay. But for the most part, for the solutions that we're, we're. know helping customers with they still want to be able to look across the aisle and say okay brad you get my back and let's go design this together and that's important right oh it's it's uh
1: i've had two of my closest friends uh dave and charlie i'll call them out um they were clients of mine um at a startup dave never bought anything i went to a hosting company they bought something once we've stayed friends and different it both professionally and personally at some of the most challenging times in my life these guys have been here and it all comes back to about the relationship about how i met these guys on the first sales call yeah. and we all realized going we're all new hampshire guys 603 represent and let's let's stay in touch because we all like each other right yeah
0: yeah i think that's important so um let's shift gears a little bit let's what's going on in uh in your world today cloud technology partners that you can share, you know, and, and, and HP. I mean, you guys are doing quite a bit. and
1: Yeah, it's, um, in my world today, um, I'm using the term solutioneering. Solutioneering, okay. I'm doing a ton of that these days. So, um, I foreshadowed it before, but it's, as these platforms have come up across the board, right, we're at a point in the industry it is evolutionary, not revolutionary. mm mm-hmm there is not these big bang announcements coming out anymore saying, hey, I am inept as a human because I've been replaced by this technology stack. Yeah. It's more incremental changes. So as that happens, right, you now need to start to go vertical in regards to a solution, Mm -hmm. um, no longer horizontal. So how do you take solutions, package them up to meet a need or attach to an existing motion, right? So a lot of the stuff I do is how can I understand how a traditional HPE seller would work and what's important to them and then design a solution and a motion that they can attach and bring to that's not counter, right? Because regardless of pick your favorite vendor out there today, right? It's across the board. It's still a cloud versus hardware sell at some point and some folks get very religious about that. Oh, yeah. And then understanding how to unpack that and instead of an Orson Conversation. It's an and conversation. So you can have both sides of the, the equation there. So I'm spending a lot of my time doing that. Um, I'm spending a lot of my time understanding the hybrid. Um, I think it's what we're going to see next in the 18 months-ish is when these public cloud providers come back down on-premise. Um, it's going to be another shakeup. And. Um, I wouldn't get complacent. Um, I would look at it as the opportunity to understand cloud native first up in the cloud, but that cloud native is gonna come to a data center and sit in a rack that's managed by one of these cloud providers right next to your existing infrastructure. Mm. So understanding those operating models, governance, requirements, application dependencies, and how to map that into your existing infrastructure that's where I'm spending some time now. Uh, things like a service mesh that becomes increasingly important on how to knit these things together. So that's where I'm kind of spending
0: a lot of my time and understanding where to focus uh, next-gen solutions on. So basically what we talked about earlier where you're kind of having to pull everything together yep. is what you're actually doing in your real life. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. I mean, and that wasn't that wasn't a setup at all. No, I, no. But that's just, you know, the reality of yeah what you're having to do because I can imagine... You know, and I, and I saw this at some of the other companies I've been at, you know, if you've traditionally sold a box and now, and I know we're several years, you know, past cloud being, you know, public IS being, you know, an option, it's still a huge DNA change for oh, yeah. for some of these sales teams. And and one of the things that I, you know, when, when we bought um, Savvis and tier three, when we were at CenturyLink, we would have traditional legacy, you know, managed services, um, telecom, Uh, salespeople say well teach me how to sell cloud and i I need all the training and and you know i need to understand this and that and i said well hold on you know we'll we'll get down you know there will be some sales enablement that'll get built i said but you have to understand you still don't understand how bgp works yet you still sell internet services or private mpls services and right now probably sd WAN services so understand that when we start talking about you know utilization elasticity and you know how vms are kind of you know controlling these types of environments customers not going to play stump the chump with you but yeah. you need to be able to kind of tie those together so then then you can serve that up to a yeah. architect like yourself to then take it you know much further yeah. and knit all that together and I think you know some of the companies that I've seen recently that are really powerful in that are the ones that are su- super successful versus those that just get jammed up and like well this is the way we've always sold this and now I've got something else and I don't know how to they don't know how to see like the complete vision and have that virtual single pane of glass to actually go sell that. Yeah,
1: it's the complete vision, but also the ability to tell the complete story, right? Yeah. Even though you may have a, you may be a ball bearing or a belt inside right. of a larger solution, being able to articulate that complete vision, and then more importantly, the journey to get that, to get that to complete vision. Yeah. The ones that are doing it now successfully. Um, those are the ones that i'd I'd place money on and then just like anything right um some of the stalwarts here will die or uh, they'll adapt or die so they'll be the t-rex of of this prior generation right
0: yeah yeah i think i think you're absolutely right and i and i think there'll be some people that will be like custer's last stand and they won't you know they'll stay tried and true to that product or that strategy and and i think just like you know Folks never thought GE would get into some of the challenges they've had. You can see a big behemoth like that. Um, think about some of these smaller entities that have had that niche for so long, yep. and they don't want to get off that that track and and kind of adapt. and And that's where you know it, it'll be really interesting over the coming years, where you know more of these cloud native options, and especially in the SaaS world, where companies that are not technical, they're going into different industries are just like, yeah, I just, I just need a connection in the wall and I'm going to yep. get all of my services and I don't need all of this other legacy stuff that these other companies have and that's technical debt that exists. Yeah. I don't know, do you see that a lot? I mean, I see a lot of technical debt in some of these conversations. Like, yeah, well, you know, we invested into this strategy and I'm like, dude, SOS, like, yeah, pull yeah. out now, just cut your losses and move on. Well, it's, it's so there's this there's concept of technical debt where um, it becomes additive. Um,
1: and they keep digging the hole deeper and deeper, right? So you'll see that start to pile up. And even though they'll put a thin veneer of cloud around it, it is still an anchor that's holding them back. Um, And if you look at some of these transformations out there, right? Maybe it's 15 to 20% of the application state will get to the cloud um, with the remaining anchor being around that. So hence, you see the motions. Again, my personal opinion, that's why you see the cloud coming down. Because it's almost going to be a data vacuum at this point, right? Uh, Outside of the technical debt, there's this data gravity issue. And the gravity of that data from a legacy point of view is probably the harder thing to break free than uh, actually rewriting an application, rewriting uh, an operational Mm. stance. So I've been spending a little bit of time in that. A lot of the stuff we do now um, is more focused around app monetization. So let's take a monolithic app. Let's make it cloud native and working with some of the best and brightest that, that in my company to say, Hey, how does, how does this work? How should it work? What are the best practices around that? Because at the end of the day, man, um, I think that's the only way you're going to start to break free and start getting rid of some of that debt and some of that gravity is start eating some of these gnarly spaghetti applications up <laughs> and trying to, trying to unwind them. And yeah, you may fail sometimes, but you get a couple of these done, You'll be okay.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. I totally agree. Doing the hard work. Yeah. Well, this is this has been great, Brad. I oh, dude. I, Likewise, brother. Great conversation. I feel like we could like always talk for hours. Usually, it's over beers. Yeah, hey, in, a, in a sunny location. <laughs> the, crow's yeah. tonight, the crow's nest is dark tonight, my man. Crow's <laughs> nest is dark. It is. I know. It's like once we. I always get like really ornery around this time of year because I feel like. I get up it's dark and then I leave work and it's dark and I never see sunlight. Yeah. I feel like I'm like some creepy creature. <laughs> and I got out of coding years ago, you know, so I'm not doing that anymore. So so where where uh, you know, where can the folks find you and kind of oh. where are you hanging out these days, uh, you know, online? So uh easiest way to track me down is
1: uh, the website bradlimus.net. It's just okay. a uh, landing page but uh, has links to my uh, socials, email, all that good sort of stuff, LinkedIn as well um, and then uh, if you want to hear more of uh, actually the last podcast we did was with you Gary on travel okay. tips tricks and techniques that's great uh, go check out the old
0: Doppler podcast as well man yeah so real quick give a give a high level anybody that hasn't been on the Doppler podcast because it has blown up on the internet so let's talk a little bit about that so, so I've been fortunate
1: um, I came into it after the two founders had moved on to a different company and I had a number of friends uh, associates at different companies saying hey We still need to do this. So I took it on and um, taught myself um, good, bad, or indifferent. Mistakes were made, but um, I've been having a lot of fun uh, doing that. So what we cover is industry trends, similar to what we did today. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I do spend a fair amount of time talking about how have you learned this? Because at this point, if you're on the podcast, none of us were born cloud native. It's, It's a learned attribute. So
0: how to get folks over that
1: hump. Uh, that's sort of my personal goal, goal yeah it's of part that.
0: of that controlling that learning curve right exactly, exactly. yeah and, and you host that with uh david christensen on uh robert christian oh, robert christian sorry yeah. Why? sorry <laughs> sorry robert you're gonna kill me i've only been on twice
1: it's late man it's late no robert uh robert and i co-hosted i've been doing some stuff solo but
0: at the end of the day we're two uh, brothers in arms yeah yeah he's a great guy yeah. and uh can't wait to uh, to see what he ends up publishing with some of his uh, uh, his books and his travels, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean he's he's been around brown been around the block for a while, yeah. and he's got some great great stories. Yeah, great guy. And just you know, it, I, I think the two of you. I mean, I think if anybody has not subscribed to that podcast, you really should because you have some great guests that come on. And you and you rap about this kind of stuff all day yeah. long, which yeah. is which is cool. And I think it's we need more of that, that in the ecosystem. So I agree, my man. I agree. Well awesome. thank you so much for having me on, brother. Likewise, I can't wait to have you on next time.
1: Consider it done. Consider it done. Chucking head on the two the minions. Telling
0: stories that the say are all facts when we know